0: You're with Dr. Darley Lees, bringing you uncommon insights and practices on wellness, relationships and spirituality in 7-Minute Nuggets or less. Have you ever wondered how one can tell if they have the gift of singleness? We live in a very unique moment in history in which the share of single American adults who have never said I do is at an historic high. When it comes to faith communities, the singles demographic in the church body is the highest it's ever been and growing. If the struggles with sexual integrity are any indication, Christians just aren't doing singleness well. Ministries are sprouting up to journey alongside church youth, and young adults as they struggle with dating violence, premarital sex, abortion, pornography, and masturbation. Despite this, as singles swell the pews, we seek to ascribe special meaning and purpose to our single status. A theology has arisen to meet the demand of singles who need to understand God's intent for this season in their lives. Enter the gift of singleness. Have you noticed that conversation or preaching in support of the gift of singleness regularly skips the Old Testament entirely and begins with the apostle Paul as a model to emulate? I've been introduced to an important practice in biblical interpretation known as the law of first mention, also called the first mention principle that has really come to shape the way I study the Bible. This principle requires the student of scripture to find where a word, idea, theme, or doctrine first appears in the biblical record and to study this initial occurrence in order to derive its inherent significance and inform our understanding of that teaching. In exploring the topic of singleness, we did just that when we examined the experience of Adam, the earth's original bachelor, and God's design for him in the episode entitled, Jesus Loves You. Just not like that. As we move forward from Genesis into the rest of the biblical narrative, the theme of singleness is in reality not very prevalent, as marriage was the sociocultural norm of that time. You may be surprised to learn, as was I, that the actual phrase, the gift of singleness, isn't in scripture. The phrase, the gift of the single life, can only be found in some paraphrased versions of scripture, such as the Message Bible. And even then, it isn't encountered until 1 Corinthians, chapter 7, verse 7, to be exact, in the same sentence as the comparatively seldom cited phrase, the gift of the married life. And thereafter, it never appears again. Hardly enough biblical support from which to build a theology of singleness, won't you say? I believe the aim. For the generalized allocation of the gift of singleness, as believed and taught by many in our faith communities, is to occupy singles in the service of God in some special capacity. The truth is, however, there are very, very, very few ministry positions at your local church or abroad that absolutely require you to be single in order to effectively minister. Our devaluation of marriage from being an inherently, deeply meaningful ministry in and of itself is both unfortunate and harmful to the church body and its mission to society at large. And despite our extreme busyness as singles serving God, we managed to find time to binge watch Netflix several nights a week. I've got nothing against watching Netflix. What I'm saying is we can serve God well, in a family and as a family. I desire to hear Joshua's sentiment echoed more and more in our generation. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. While the gift of singleness as a concept lacks biblical roots, there are some celibate characters in Scripture. Here's what I gleaned from a look at their lives. First, the celibate life is not the biblical norm, but the exception. It is not a blessing blanketed upon all Christian singles by God. According to Scripture, we are not only free to choose to get married or not, but we're also free to choose whom we would like to wed. Second, celibacy is not for everyone. In fact, it is a preferred way of life for just a handful. The Apostle Paul is a great example. Celibacy is an ordained way of life for even fewer. Jeremiah's prophetic call included the clear, indisputable and explicit instruction from God himself that he should not take a wife nor have sons or daughters. Jeremiah 16, 2. To my fellow single Christians, if you have to ask yourself or anyone else if you have the gift of singleness, consider yourself not gifted. No woman ever asks herself, do I have the gift of singleness when on a date with a good looking guy who has it together and the evening is going really well. If you said yes to a date, chances are high a life of celibacy is not your thing. We tend to ask about our giftedness in being single when dates are few and far in between, when there are no eligible bachelors at our church, or when age milestones such as 30, 40, or 50 loom near and marriage still looms far. Lastly, the celibate life is not to be universally applied to every context. Setting mustn't be overlooked when examining the few texts the Bible offers about the single life. For example, Paul's counsel to Corinthian Christians to forego marriage, if they were able, was conditioned by, quote, the present distress. 1 Corinthians 7.26 What was their distress? Persecution affliction, and famine were closing in on this particular first century Christian church. That grim reality is the backdrop for his counsel to the unmarried and the widows. Understood in this light, it totally makes sense that celibacy may be the ideal for such difficult and dangerous times. But that's not our situation today, though, is it? Thanks for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, share it with a friend. See you next time.